Last time we talked about appropriate and inappropriate people for your business. Yep. So it seems like a natural follow-on is how do we attract the appropriate people and how do we keep them once we've attracted them? Absolutely. So we need a good recruitment process, but we also need a good retention process. And that all starts and ends with your employer brand. Okay, so what do you mean by employer brand? Well, your employer brand is not dissimilar to your customer brand. It's the impression that people within your organisation and external to your organisation have of your organisation. How it's run, how attractive it is to be associated with. Ah, so it's what I would call your promise of value. Yes. And that means your promise of value is not just for your customers, it's also for your employees. And what follows on from that is just as not every potential customer will like your promise of value, not every potential employee will like your employer brand. Indeed. So just as some people wouldn't want to work for a gambling organisation, for example, or an environmentalist might not want to work at SeaWorld, people are motivated by different factors. Mm. If a doctor that works in the NHS or a doctor that works privately, a software engineer that wants to work for Microsoft and never work for Google. So it's not about the product or the company per se. It's more about the way that the company operates and its culture. Yeah. Okay, so how do you understand what your current employer brand is as a company? So there are a few factors that contribute to this, and some are more measurable than others. So on the measurable scale, factors such as are you paying market rate or above market rate for your talent? What's your staff turnover? What's your percentage of current vacancies? Add weight to those numbers, you then need to do what I call taking the pulse of the organisation. Ah, taking the pulse, that sounds good, but what do you mean? So, number of ways. Staff surveys. Yep. Exit interviews. Mm -hmm. Appraisals. Mm -hmm. Customer feedback. And flow of communication within the business. Okay, I get the first four. What's the last one about? So what I mean by this is how willing the organisation is to accept ideas from within. So in my experience, the answers to most businesses' problems are actually, they actually reside within the business. So it may be something as simple as a minor change to the packing line that doubles the production capacity. It may be that the person that has the idea is the company's newest, youngest, most inexperienced employee. Mm. If the company has no way to receive that information, they'll never benefit from the solution. There are, or there is a view out there, however, that taking so much input and ideas internally can open up the organisation to risk. Would you agree with that? Not necessarily, no. I think you can mitigate the downside of doing that, of letting people come up with ideas through process. If you can define the least that should happen, you, you're mitigating that downside but still leaving yourself open to the upside that comes from letting people interpret your promise of value creatively and generously. That way, that's how you find out new things that you can do as a business. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it seems to me that knowing whether you're getting your culture right is quite a hard thing to find out. So how would you do it? So let me answer that by telling you a little story. So you come across three people digging a hole. You ask the first one, what are you doing? They'll say, I'm digging a hole. Mm. You ask the second one, what are you doing? He says, I'm laying a foundation. Mm -hmm. And you ask the third one, what are you doing? 
says, I'm building a cathedral. Yeah. So the first person has a task, which they're doing, but they don't have any ownership of that task. Mm. The second one is partially engaged in the project. They have a goal and they can see a little bit of the big picture. The third one, doing exactly the same task, is fully engaged in the product, its project, its purpose and its outcome. If your employees understand not only their day-to-day job tasks, but understand are engaged in the overall strategic aim of the business, then you can say you have an engaged workforce and therefore are likely to have a strong, positive culture. Yeah, so a really simple test would be to have an outside person come in to and ask anybody in the business, what are you doing? And if you got the right kind of answer, that would tell you how well you were doing on your culture. Exactly. That's pretty straightforward, actually. And I imagine, Kirsten, you've got some ideas on how an organisation can sustain that. Yes. Well, I mean, yes, obviously. <laughs> I mean, the way to help people understand the project, the purpose and the outcome that you've talked about once they're inside the business is through process. Um, for me, process is like the letters through a stick of rock. No matter how far down you get, they're always readable. Uh, and as we've said before, a good process is completely built around your promise of value. And at the same time, it allows the people running it to help improve it. That Again, this is all how you... It's how you improve, basically. So it's an inclusive process. Yes, yes. So what other factors would influence your employer brand? I mean, there's a huge range of these, but I suppose some of the key ones, corporate social responsibility, investing in developing staff, and overall working conditions are probably some of the three main pillars. Okay. So we've seen how employer brand impacts on the desirability of your organisation to external people. Is that the whole solution? No. Employer brand is one of the contributory factors. But equally critical is an effective recruitment process for new employees and valid value-adding business process for the management of existing staff. Okay. So to give you an example, most businesses have an appraisal process for staff. However, many... For for many, it can be a tick box exercise because it's the right thing to do. A good appraisal process would be frequent, it would be two-way and leave both parties feeling they'd got something out of the process. In some ways, it wouldn't even feel like an Im- a necessarily an appraisal. Exactly. It's just feedback. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. exactly. And what about the recruitment process then? And again, many organisations have a recruitment process, which they may or not may not follow, <laughs> depending on which day of the week it is. <laughs> but when you actually look at many of the company's processes, they duplicate stages with the same interview questions being asked by different people time and time again. They're too focused on the technical competence and don't look at cultural and organisational fit. Remember, you can teach technical skills that might be lacking in a candidate, but it's very hard to change attitudes. Mm. I would also suggest that not many organisations debrief candidates after they've been hired to ask what was the process like for them? How did they feel coming into the organisation? And not that many exit interview either. No, exactly. Exactly. Mm. So the conclusion if we can draw one, is that recruitment retention is like all processes within your business. You need to be really clear and tight about the soft stuff. And if you are strict or tight about the soft stuff, you can then start to take risks like recruiting people with different skills, different experiences, from diverse backgrounds. You've minimised the downside but opened yourself up to all sorts of possible upsides, which is only good. Indeed. 
So then, Kirsten, it sounds to me that we need to talk a little bit more about defining the soft stuff. Okay, and that can be our next discussion. Look forward to it. Good. Thank you. <laughs>